What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Joe Rimmer, and today I'm joined by Theo Squires. How are you, Theo? Not too bad. How are you? I'm not too bad. Kathleen Dot, how are you? Very good, thank you. I'm bright and breezy. Ian Doyle, how are you? You've ruined it. I wanted to say that, but thanks. Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bright and breezy. I'm very much the opposite of bright and breezy. I haven't been to Brighton, which is a long way from my house. Let's start with the the obvious question, Ian. I told them going to win the league. (laughs) I think if, if they don't, then they should be embarrassed. With yeah. the position they're in now, there's only 30 games to go. Yeah. So they've more or less got it in the back. It's between them and Arsenal, isn't it? So Spurs fans send some, some feedback to Ian Doyle. Yeah. Ian.Doyle at reachwithelsing.com. <laughs> yeah. And um, if you'd like to get directly in touch. Or at Ian Doyle Sports on Twitter as well. Yeah. You know, or, or just cover all the bases. They yeah. already follow you all anyway, don't they? <laughs> and you're going to have to go on a Spurs podcast to apologise later this season. Like you did well, I didn't really apologise. I was I ended up being proven correct on Arsenal. So hopefully I'll be proven right on Tottenham as well. <laughs> that they will win the league <laughs> anyway I think you've just rewritten history anyway right Brighton you were at Brighton yes I was yeah. um, me and Paul and um, two points dropped or um, one point gained depends before the game I, I mean I'm pretty sure in the podcast I said it would finish 2 all. I think Gorsty said 1-0 uh, when we did it on Friday and I almost burst out laughing going there's no way one of these teams is going to score zero goals in that game and so it proved uh, I think before the game, you'd have taken a point. After half an hour, you'd have definitely taken a point. At half-time, 70 minutes gone, you'd have not taken a point. So I think overall, I think Klopp said it best, didn't he? He said he thought it was a fair result. I think given what happened with Liverpool last season at Brighton, with that 3-0 defeat, the FA Cup game as well, where they got beat 2-1, I think, especially with the players missing as well, and I know it doesn't seem a lot, but... No Curtis Jones, I thought it was a big miss. No Diogo Jota to come on at some point and kind of like, you know, wobble his way through and just snaffle a goal. Like he, I think he scored one there in COVID time, I think, seemed to remember in the one all draw. Um, and then you look at the midfielders that are missing. I know Thiago and Stefan Basetic haven't played this season, but when you've got, you know, Vitaro Endo, Endo, sorry, um, who I was surprised he didn't play, but obviously Klopp seeing stuff on the training ground or perhaps doesn't feel as though you can trust him quite just yet to play in that defensive midfield role. You've got McAllister playing there and then you've got a decision who's to play in midfield with them because there's not many other options at the moment. So Harvey Elliott played, didn't work out, but Ryan Granberch on the second half and I know he played better, but you could argue that didn't work out either given the fact that he missed an absolute sitter to make it 3-1. So overall, I don't necessarily think it's two points dropped. I think it's just a point. It's just a point gained, you'd have to argue. There seemed to be a uh, Beth. I mean, it's not like social media to to react in strange ways, but a lot of people were very upset yesterday, and I, and I thought, you know, okay, in circumstances, you don't want you don't want to drop points from a winning position, but as Ian has just said, you know, it's a difficult place to go. Brighton, they, they've turned good teams over this season. Um, 
it feels like maybe last week is still sort of impacting on people's thoughts of this game. Yeah, I think it's because Liverpool made such a strong start to the season and I think there was sort of whisperings of, you know, could this be a, a title-challenging team? And I think sort of yesterday proved that there's still still cracks in this team and I think that's what most of us would probably have, have said coming into the season, you know, the lack of having a real world-class defensive midfielder, you know, perhaps the lack of, of not bringing in another defender as much as Jarrell Quantz has done, done very, very well. Um, you know, I think Liverpool maybe paid the price a little bit, certainly for, for the, the midfield, the midfield one yesterday. Um, but yeah, I was quite surprised actually when I looked at, at the table last night and saw Liverpool were only three points off the, the summit. And you've got to say after, you know, the run of games they've had, I mean, is it five away games they've had yes. out of eight? Mm-hmm. You know, going to Newcastle, Chelsea, Tottenham, to have got, gotten all of those out of the way and to still only be three points off. And, and you look at the, the run of fixtures now and it's quite a favourable run and you think, if Liverpool can can win all of those games, as you would predict that they, they would, of course, it might not prove the case, but they'd be going to, to Manchester City in a really good place then in November. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, social media is always very reactionary, isn't it? Isn't it? And I think perhaps in the context of, of how Brighton have fared the last couple of weeks, obviously they had a, a bit of a mauling, didn't they, at Aston Villa? And they've had a couple of tricky games in the Europa League as well. So I think, you know, it was it's maybe a, a little bit of overspill from, from that. Um, you know, I, I felt going into to the Tottenham and, and Brighton game that we needed to win at least one to maybe sort of announce ourselves as, as title challengers. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of an overreaction, a point away at Brighton. It is certainly not the worst result. We saw City slip at Wolves, didn't we, the other week, a game that Liverpool managed to win. So um, yeah, I think it was a fair result and I don't think it was a, a bad result really in the context of, of the season. Well, my frustration there was that it came out of the Tottenham game it it felt like even though the result went against them, everything went against them that afternoon, it felt like there was a togetherness and a, and a sense that Liverpool could take that and really launch themselves into the next games. It just didn't come out. And we've seen this a lot this season. It didn't come out and didn't start well against Brighton. They allowed Brighton to get a foothold, control the game and, and be the better side until really until Liverpool took the lead. Is that is that a concern for you, that they're just not really going into games and, and playing as well as we know they can? A little bit. Like, it has been an issue for Liverpool last season as well, but the difference this year is for the majority, they have been picking up the results. They have been showing that resilience. And Against Tottenham, we felt it was, it was a step too far for them. The luck was going to run out. They were going to fall behind at one point and not be able to claw it back. But there's still a little bit of spirit there. And like, as Doyle's referenced, they are missing players through injury suspensions. And it's at best reference, really. You don't have that natural holding midfielder in McAllister. Like, he's doing a good job. I think he's spoken to the the club and said he's still learning on the job but he's enjoying it but you still feel like you'd be stronger if you had a, an actual enforcer in there if they'd gone and got Caicedo who's not had the best start for Chelsea but he's still someone who's a natural in that position you'd feel a bit more comfortable there but the fact that Liverpool are so close to the top of the table when they're not in their best position in terms of where they could be they're still a step in the right direction when you when we start the season you're all saying go for top four that's the aim and then it's, they start well, they're getting the results when you're not necessarily expecting them to get the results. Or maybe they're better than they are. But it's just going to be so tight this season anyway. Like it's a point up on what they did last year at Brighton. And it seems that Brighton's been a tough place for them to go a tough opponent for them in recent months and recent years. So it's still another step there for them that they can build on. You think after the international break, you're going to have a jotter back from suspension. You'd like to think Thiago's close to return. Setic's close to return. Gakpo, I think Klopp said he's, he's hopeful he's going to be back as well. There's still reason to be positive and think they can go on go on a good run at some point this season. Like it has been a tough start, but they've still got the points there. And the fact that aren't City aren't miles away at the top of the table 
it's going to be a lot tighter this year. You've still got faith that Spurs are going to Spurs it, Arsenal are going to Arsenal it. If you're just in the, the mix, you've got a chance. I mean, they'd have, to, they'd have to do a lot now, wouldn't they? To throw it away. I mean, they, they should share the title, probably. Yeah. <laughs> North London United. Yeah. yeah. They can sing that song. They can sing it. Um, sorry, Theo, carry on making. That, that was it. Yeah. That, that no, finished. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the midfield balance, you, you touched on it before, Doily. Midfield balance, still not quite right and hasn't been really throughout the season, even though we've seen good things. You touched on before Endo not playing. It felt really strange. So that he didn't play a single minute of the game, considering he was lost up at half time, was he in, in the um, the Europa League game? Do you think it's just a case of Fabinho type? We give him time, need some time to settle in. Or do you think there's a slight concern over perhaps he's not, you know, quite up to the pace? No, it's going to be a bit of both, isn't it? I think don't think Klopp would have expected him to take this long to settle, but. On the other side of that, we spoke to him actually after the game on Thursday when he got subbed at half time. When I thought he did it right in the first half, and he was basically saying, "Look, my life's getting back to normal now. My family's over. Mm-hmm. This, that, and the other. We found somewhere to live, and yeah, he feels a bit more settled. And obviously, he's been at the club for six weeks now, is it? So we're approaching two months, which is quite a long time to be, you know, still waiting to settle. So I think he's part of the group and all that kind of stuff. So that's not an issue. I think the next seven games, he's going to be seeing a lot of football." Because they've got the two Europa League games, the, uh, the Bournemouth game in the in the League Cup, mm-hmm. and as we mentioned before, the the league games. It was it Everton, 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 Everton Forest, Luton away in Brentford, isn't it? So you're looking at them, you're thinking, well, no matter when those games are getting played, a lot of them you'd expect him to be starting anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to get a lot of minutes, and hopefully by then it might have Pesetich back, possibly. Um, not sure on Thiago. Not sure where, when exactly he's ever going to come back. Um, and then mm. they'll have Curtis Jones back for the last couple of games. And I feel a little bit sorry for McAllister on the way things have gone because he's obviously moved to a, a new club, trying to settle in. He'd done really well during the summer playing on the left of that midfield three. And he played a lot better than you know, Sabosla had done. And then when the season starts, he plays against Chelsea in that position. And then you think, oh, he's going to stay there for a little minute. And then he's still there, you know, like nearly two months later, he's still playing in it. It's like, well, hang on. And for Liverpool to still only be three... I mean, the reason Liverpool only three points off the top is compared to last season, Arsenal won all the games, so they would have been seven points behind. And let's not kid ourselves. Man City lost twice. You know, and it was only two weeks ago that they'd won every single game. You know, they looked as though they were going to be going on. So there isn't an outstanding team at the moment, which has been a little bit unlike possibly the last three, four, five years when it's obvious there was one team or certainly one or two teams. There is there isn't that at the moment. As much as I was saying about as much as I was saying about Tottenham and Arsenal. because um, Arsenal played five at home of the eight. I don't know why the fixture list has done this this year. City, uh, Liverpool and Tottenham have played five away. So we can enjoy Arsenal eight. throwing it away even more. Well, <laughs> well you know, they they might have a bit of momentum. Also I would say about Arsenal is that they've got it was a bit jammy against City, weren't they? They got a bit of jam against United exactly. as well. I mean, this isn't the, the blood. No, podcast, but the point I'm making, the point I'm making, is going to make is that people might say Liverpool have had a bit of luck, which they have done, but Arsenal have had some. Tottenham had some against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. They've all had a bit, and I think that's kind of helping them all build a certain amount of momentum. Like as you say, there's some we know some Liverpool supporters who are going to jump off a bridge at the final whistle against the yeah, in the Brighton game. So well, I ain't got the mini, you know. They got, so as we said before, they got beat 3-0 there last last uh, last season, back in January. And that was only, what, 10 months ago? Less than 10 months ago. And look how far the team's come since then. They've suddenly lost one game in 22. 
in all competitions. And everybody knows what all the issues are, so they can work through them. The, the only worry is that what happened, the only happened, the one, one midfield injury away from it all going massively wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's always the thing with at the moment with Liverpool is because they haven't got the strength and depth of certainly of City even if United let's be honest yeah, they've got the so change. many players look at the change of the bench yesterday well that's Where the thing brilliant at spares to you know well that's I think he likes that but, but I, I think you've also got to bear in mind the bench is it nine players on the bench yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's 20 players yeah. in yeah. the old days it was like when I was growing up it was one player on the bench then it was two yeah. then it was five recently it was seven now it's nine yeah. and it's like well they can't all play and so even if you've got a squad of 20, that's almost two players for every single position. So but teams can count. Yeah, but I'm saying is that that's what Liverpool have got. Mm-hmm. They'd have a squad of 24, 25 senior professionals or youngsters who, who made sufficient senior appearances. But yeah, you look for the bench, but then you go, hang on, but these two players are suspended. Yeah. These three or four players are injured. This one player, they doesn't quite trust him just yet. And suddenly... You then go, oh, is this an issue? And it's like, well, no, we're only eight games into the season. It's a very long way to go. And as we said before, that these next four games will be quite interesting because it leads into the City one. So they've got, they've given themselves the the chance to build on it in the next four weeks. And what they got to, the next four games, what they've got to hope is that we already know Curtis Jones is going to miss two of them. They have to hope is that they can keep most of the players together, which is why, oh, look, the international breaks here now when everybody gets injured and you know that kind of thing happens the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line take it back to the champions year when you look at these sorts of results a side that is going to be champions gets a late winner against brighton or they get the point against spurs but that's only a concern if other teams are doing it like i know arsenal got their late winner against manchester united but there is no one running away with it here as doily said there is no standout team so for just avoiding the majority of defeats, as long as you're getting your wins in your home games against the big six, like Arsenal did yesterday, then you're giving yourself a chance to still be yeah. in contention when it gets to the business end. And we all think Liverpool's a promising start, but they will be stronger in a few months' time. When Gravenberch has settled more, when Sabosli has settled more and gets even better, McAllister hopefully in his best position. Like we've referenced it on the podcast a few times. If Conor Bradley doesn't get injured, do we see Trent as that holding midfielder? And I think even though he's not played that before, we feel more confident in him being a number six there. And you think we can go in that right direction. Liverpool are still trying to find out what is their best team, where they want their players to play. And it is square pegs, round holes. But still be in the top four, having only lost a game because they were robbed by the officials. That isn't a reason to be negative, that they could be top if things had gone a bit better for them. They're just in the mix, along with everyone else at the top of the table at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Beth, do you think it's an element for Liverpool fans? You know, they're, they're obviously Brown City so close to the title, missed out by a point in a couple of years. Do you think? Do you think it's a hangover of that? The people, you know, you draw you draw a game at a decent team like Brighton, or lose in really bad circumstances at Tottenham, but put in a decent performance. Do you think that that the disappointment is a bit of a hangover of knowing how much those sort of little differences can make to a season? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, not too long ago, sort of picking up 85 points perhaps would have been enough to win the league. We know now that the level of, of perfection that Manchester City demand means that you can't really afford to, to drop below that 90 mark if you've got any chance. I think, you know, for Liverpool to have missed out on the title by a single point twice in the space of, you know, or, or two points, was it, the, the other year? But There's one, one point, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, is it's galling really, isn't it? I mean, I remember being inside Anfield for the Aston, for the, who were we playing that day when City were playing Aston Villa? We played Wolves. Wolves. Um, and, you know, the mood inside Anfield when, when Villa went to 2-0 up, it was like we were on the precipice of, of something really, really special and to have that taken away by a couple of late goals from City was was agonising. So I think there is that that element of, of hangover. I also think there's perhaps a bit of frustration that, that the last couple of seasons it's almost felt like Liverpool have left themselves a little bit short in a couple of key positions. And, you know, if we go back to that season when Liverpool lost all of the centre-backs, it sort of felt like, you know, Dayan Lovren had left in the summer. It felt like Liverpool needed to bring in a fourth centre-back and, and they didn't. And ultimately that came back to, to bite them. And I think with, with the holding midfielder debacle at the moment, it sort of highlights that I think if perhaps they had managed to get someone in. Um, admittedly, it's a tough task because I don't think there's, there's too many players out there who can, can really fill that role. But I think if they'd managed to get someone in, then perhaps we might be talking a little bit differently. We might be more confident that they could go on and win the title. But I think I would really like to see McAllister play further forwards. I mean, when you go back to that season when, when Liverpool lost the centre-backs and they had that torrid run of form where they lost so many games and part of that was down to sort of shoehorn Fabinho and Henderson in, into defence and, you know, you lost the benefit of them in midfield then. And I think it's sort of, to a lesser extent, the same with McAllister. I think... You know, he's not doing a particularly brilliant job, obviously, as Doyle said, he's still learning on the job in that in that holding role. And I think then you lose some of his, his benefit going forward. So, you know, I'd be tempted to just give Enzo a run. I mean, it, they brought him in for a reason. They obviously saw something in him they liked. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp was, was quite, um, you know, he always said to the Liverpool fans, didn't he, give, us, give, give him a chance. And now it's like, well, you know, are you going to give him a chance? Yeah. Are you going to give him a run in, in the team? So, um, yeah, but I do, I agree. I think there's, there's you know, this Liverpool side have been brilliant at times over the past eight years under Jurgen Klopp and I think to, to still only have sort of one Premier League title from that time, I think that, that you know, rankles a little bit among among some Liverpool fans. So, yeah, I think that is an element as well, that, that hangover from, from previous season. I would like to point out Liverpool did finish fifth last season and did you think they'd be challenging for the title this year? Do you know what? I'll be honest, yeah. Um, no, okay, just so okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so what did you... I thought, no. I thought, depending on the transfers, if they'd got like the proper uh, holding midfielder more confident, it's the basic of just settled so that, up. That, that's that, that fair, explain yourself. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt him. Yes, no. <laughs> that's no. And that was said definitely not. We did the predictions, didn't we? Adam finishing fifth. I wouldn't have said definitely not. I think, you know... No, but still qualify for the Champions League because that would be enough because I think that all the teams in Europe will do well enough them to get it. I just think the season is just get back in the Champions League. I think it reminds me a little bit of 16-17 where they started quite well. I mean, they were top then and everybody got a bit carried away. Of course, the difference is is that Liverpool have shown in the past now with this team that they can win the league and challenge for it. But there's such large parts of the team now that are totally different to that one. It's a first step for them. And I think they've wow, it's great for Vance to get carried away. I think it has to be through that kind of you know, realistic kind of prism of, well, hang on, they finished fifth last year. Sorry, you just dropped your stuff, Joe. Uh, they finished fifth last year. They have had some very tough games. They've got 
a new forward line they're still trying to sort out still, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they've had to riff up the midfield completely and they're still trying to work out who's going to be playing centre-back, all while still trying to change the... Not changing the formation, because it's quite clearly going to be that formation, but they're having to do the right that. Backs, not do, the right backs, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. They've had to do that while changing everything else around. So I do think they're still trying to find themselves. And the reason, as I said before, that they are quite so close to the top is because the other teams are all fiddling around as well. They're having their own issues. So if Liverpool are going to challenge for the title, it'll be how quickly can they resolve their problems because the others will sort theirs either by buying some new players in January or just, you know, because they've got such that greater strength in depth or the ex- recent experience of challenging for things that they can they can sort it a little bit quicker. It's like other years, you know, when Leicester won it, you're thinking, oh, if Liverpool got their house in order, that title was there for the taking. And other years in comparison, City just walk away with it. This is one where it is there for the taking and it's the team that is most organised and gets it all sorted quickest. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's that's my point. Is that whilst I largely agree with you on all the issues going into this season, and and why, I, you know, I never expected them to win the title, but I think they thought they could challenge because I think anyone, you know, if City if City are going to go through changes, that they're not going to. The thing about City is, I think, even if they, they sell a couple of players, they, which they've done this summer, and they bring in new new players, they might have one season of transition, and you expect them to get back into it, and that's where I think you you would hope. It's an opportunistic title challenge that Liverpool can just put a run together, and I, and I honestly think this team with the, the players like you said that have won titles before, other players of great quality, are are capable of putting the run together, and and that's the source of frustration for me is again like Beth said is that they they don't in the in the summer markets they don't always sort of take chances on players you know the case I do thing was it, I, I don't want to go back over old ground but perhaps if they've been more aggressive at the start of the market. They could have put themselves in a better, better position. But I look at it now and think, you know, it depends on City, doesn't it? It always depends on whether they put get their house back in order. But they've lost a couple of games. How The last time they lost a couple of games was five years ago, so it doesn't happen often. So I just think Liverpool have got a chance to, to, to be a factor in this title race. Just like Arsenal, I, I don't really think Arsenal can win the title, but they should think they can win the title, if that makes sense. They should be looking at this now saying, this is an opportunity that we really have to go for. And I still think the same about Liverpool. And they'll, if they do that, they'll get back in the top four. I do you think Liverpool's priority, though, is getting in the Champions League? Because you look at it and you go... Your priority is to finish yeah. as high as possible. Yeah, but I'm saying... That I, get think, the I think the priority is to get back in the Champions League. Because you also look at it and you go, well, Newcastle are going to be stronger over the next couple of years for the reasons we've done to death. Um, Chelsea, funnily enough, what a surprise. They've suddenly started winning some games. Anybody who thought they were going to go the entire season being rubbish. Silly. United have surprised me by how just how pathetic they are, but they still won on Saturday, and I do think they've got enough players that they could. Because no matter how bad United start has been, are they only five points behind Liverpool? Mm. I think they are. It's, it's, in, when they play each other, yeah, say United, you've seen the, yeah. the run of games that they've played. Yeah, I know. They've played, they've, they've played 
they're basically, it's like Liverpool through the neck. They've got the next ball we've just discussed who they're playing. That's been all of United's and, games. And that's yeah, United's yeah. Role, I know, I and know. they've won one of them. I Liverpool know. cannot afford to do the same thing. True. But then United, they could say, well, look, we've got a new goalkeeper here. We're trying to bet him in this, that, and the other. We've got a new forward, like a new striker. I mean, that's a completely separate yeah, podcast yeah. for United. But yeah, my point being, my point being <laughs> is that they are all going to get better next season. Like, right. And then I, I think. Why, why is that a fact? Because that's just what it is. That's not a fact, is it? Well, I think it Teams is. Can get, Man United can be worse this season than they were last. They've had injuries fact, as well. They've they they had injuries. They've had a lot yeah, of injuries. But Chelsea, well, Chelsea, Chelsea, Man United can give themselves a better chance because they've got the financial backing which Liverpool don't have, which yes, goes back to your, which goes back to your points. Which is why they need to get in the Champions League and hope that they get there at the expense of a United or a Chelsea. There you go. So well, then they get. But I don't think it's ever a fact that these teams get better because. Because they're going in that direction, teams can have they can have a, a, a season full of injuries. They can have a season of bad luck. They can have a manager who loses his way. They can have a striker who stops scoring. And Liverpool have just got to be there. They, Liverpool are all they can't, they can't do all of those season. things, but you have to expect that these teams they have to yeah. anticipate that that's what's going to happen. But they will teams. they will anticipate that Liverpool are going to get better, won't they? I just went into the season thinking, I still think Liverpool are the second best team in the country to Man to, to Man City. I, I don't look at Arsenal, who I, I think have improved slightly. I don't look at Arsenal and think that they're a finished package by any means. I've got a very good eleven, but they don't have the depth, do they? No. So that they've already had a few injuries, a few more. Yeah. They fall away. I think. I think, and I, and I don't think they they've passed mental tests yet. Yeah, they're still a bit flat. Last season, yeah. they 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 failed when they still flapped a, a mental test. Liverpool have done that in the past. Um, I look at Man United and think. Basically, everything went for them last season. Yeah. And I don't think they're that good. And I don't think their new goalkeeper's that good. And I don't think they've bought well this summer. I look at Newcastle and think, good good spirit. But I just don't know how long they can last with the players that they've got. And, and Tottenham, again, they've started well. But again, I, don't, I just don't expect them to continue it. So but I, I still think Liverpool's the second best team in the country. I actually agree with that. Um, whether it's bias or not, I, I'm mm. coming into this season, I, I've... I think certainly in terms of, of an 11 and, and the calibre of players that they've got, I think Liverpool are exceptional. But I think going back to your point earlier about, you know, hangovers from previous seasons and, and Liverpool perhaps leaving themselves short in, in the opposition every now and then, it's like this season, you know, talking about an opportunistic title challenge. You know, Mo Salah was, if the media is, is to, to be believed, was close to, to leaving Liverpool in the summer or was tempted perhaps. Don't believe you know, Yeah, exactly. We are the media, don't forget. There is a, a you know, a, a chance that he goes next summer. And, you know, I think three of us said earlier on that he was the best player yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do you replace him? Alison Becker, obviously the best in the world, but, you know, and still got a few years left at, at the top, you would imagine. But again, is is getting older. Virgil van Dijk the same. So mm -hmm. as much as obviously you do have to give new players a time to, to bed in, you know, Liverpool will be having to replace a lot of quality players in the next mm -hmm. few years. So it feels like this is a season where perhaps if, you know, it is a little bit more open, if City are in transition, this will be a good time while we've still got that crop of players who won the previous yeah. title, their experience, coupled with the addition of, of the likes of Dominic Sabozlai, Alexis McAllister, it will be a real chance. And I think that's where the frustration lies a little bit. It's, you know, Liverpool are going to have to go through another sort of rebuild, I guess, in, in a couple of years. So... Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, agreed, agreed. In terms of, look, I think this this podcast kind of transcended just the Brighton game, which, which is interesting. But face you down the floor, you don't yeah, need yeah. 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 <laughs> but a couple of performances. First of all, Boyley, Trent Alexander-Arnold, mm. very very good. Um, yeah, 
subbed off you know pre-arranged it must have been because yeah. i couldn't it, i just couldn't quite get it to be honest i know he's been out injured and they're trying to manage his minutes but i was like hang on no matoma's not really done anything here and trent while he wasn't pushing forward as much partly because he was trying to look after matoma which he did successfully um it's funny was it the one time that he didn't in the first half but when he'd gone up and liverpool lost the ball so McAllister had to leg back and just foul it right so i think that was kind of you know old school football there quite happy with that just yeah. foul the best players There's nothing wrong with that it's part of the rules uh especially as you can foul them in the penalty area and you might give away a penalty but you're not going to get a sense off um, we'll come to that yeah <laughs> um yes trent, i thought trent played really well actually yeah I, I said i there was okay really well there was no player that was outstanding for liverpool i had a couple of sevens when i did the play ratings but if i could give a 7.1 or seven and a half he would have been the one who i'd give the man of the match to so i was surprised when he got subbed um as for the rest of them, <laughs> so dismissive. Yeah. As for the rest of them, I mean, Salah was. You know, Salah, yeah, Salah, Salah scored twice, so he gets he gets a nice seven. I gave Allison seven. I know he, I'm not entirely sure what was going on with that goal. Uh, I don't really blame him as much. Well, okay, it wasn't. He was the, the he much was lesser. Early. Yeah, yeah. He just seemed a bit weird because you just thought even when he did it, he's like he's going to save this because it's oh it's in. How's that happened? Yeah. You know, it's because he's made so many wonderful saves. Well, he did. Well, he still weeks. made a great save in the second half. Yeah. So that's where he gets a decent score. And while I only gave him six, I thought Darwin Nunes played quite well. Yeah. Uh, he didn't really have much of an attacking threat, although he did set up one of the goals and had a slight part yeah. in the penalty as well. Uh, he just kind of ran around and he did the stuff that Klopp's always want, you know, wanted him to do for quite some time. And it wasn't his fault that he got not a lot of service because so many of the other players are flitting in and out and not quite reaching the levels and the formation wasn't quite right and players weren't in the right position. So... Having just described all that, going back to your initial question at the start of this podcast, it was a good point. Yeah, yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Beth, do you think um, I see a couple of people say this, and I, I went along with it in the first. I see Liverpool show Brighton a little bit too much respect. There's an element of Liverpool approaching all of these games. I think you could say the same about Wolves and going like up Ethan last season. These are tough sides, especially away from home. And just reasserting themselves as a, as the dominant team in games. Yeah, I absolutely think that. I think it was almost a case at, at times in that opening half hour of sort of playing the occasion rather than the opponent. Mm. I think, you know, Brighton have showed this season that they're, they're far from infallible, haven't they? they? They've had a couple of, of results go against them and in the Europa League, again, haven't always been at the best. So I think there was perhaps sort of the the lingerings of, of those horrible defeats last season and I think it sort of feels like Liverpool play Brighton about seven times a season the past few years and very rarely seems to come out with, with a win, even at Anfield. So I think then perhaps is is this sort of, you know, certainly among the fan base that Brighton are a bit of a bogey side yeah. for Liverpool and, you know, maybe that's crept into some other players as well. But I think the one positive was that sort of opening half hour was very much felt like they'd reverted back to, to last season when they yeah. started so slowly and they were sloppy and seemed to sort of devoid of of attacking intent and then they, they managed to turn it around which I, I honestly think last season Liverpool would have lost that game um, yeah I'm not sure they would have got back into it in, in the way that they did so as frustrating as it was you know as Doyley said after 70 minutes you, you wouldn't have wanted a point you'd have wanted all three but I think you know there are positives to take and um, but yeah I agree I think they did sort of perhaps sort of anticipate how good Brighton were going to be and, and that allowed them to, to come into the game and I think Matoma actually I think he was kept fairly quiet mm. in in the first half in spite of Brighton being very good um, I think it was only really in that last sort of half an hour that he started to, to run the game and then Joe Gomez comes on and 
you know, I, I think that was a, a slightly odd odd decision. I've got to say, obviously, Tor Gomez a new one, didn't he, in, in that FA Cup defeat? I think I think for Gomez, he just doesn't seem to me. He doesn't. He's not a very good player coming off the bench. I think if you if he starts, takes a while to get going. Yeah, doesn't he, 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 he does. Yeah, Last he ten does. minutes, he was all right. First ten minutes, yeah. he was a bit all over the place. But so was Canati, yeah, which was right, another yeah. substitution, which is a little bit. Do you think that's defensive substitutions in general? Though? I think yeah. it's quite difficult to change a centre off. Yeah, but it's, well, what's interesting about that is that if you look at it, Klopp's done it quite a few yeah. times this season already. Admittedly, a couple of well, one time was because Van Dijk got sent off. You had to, you had to change things around. But there's, there's been a couple of games this season where he's changed things towards the end. Uh, Going back to the point about Brighton and Wolves and the way they start again, it's just, that's just part of the mental process, isn't it? Like, for example, I'm going to mention Manchester United again. No matter what's happening in the season, when they come to Anfield next, they lost the last game 7-0, so they're going to be treated with a certain sense of trepidation. So that's just natural. You can tell. I think Tony he's one of those people, I put myself in the same category, who just grew up with Manchester United being annoyingly... I don't know. When I grew up, Liverpool and Everton were the two best teams. Yeah, I'm close oh, to that generation. Yeah. I suppose. No, no. But once you get into your sort of... Thirties, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was paying you a compliment. Theo, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Which isn't very good. Um, and I'm still buying time. Um so Bosley, like, was it was it there off the with the pencil? Um, <laughs> was, I mean, uh, at least we, it was the right end. Yeah, you don't want to yeah, get me. Yeah. We, we check these things in terms of you can. Well, you whether you hit me with the pencil. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, well, make contact. I don't think. No, you definitely um, made contact. Which oh, well, right. linking quite well was that. Well, you're back to that. Can we? 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 Pencil. Oh, I did, that, that analogy doesn't work. What would Bob Downing have done? Good process, guys. Is it all into bits? Again, I mean, we can't get through a game, can we, at the moment, without talking about it. Um, obviously, the penalty's given. Um, Pascal Gross drags the shirt almost off Sabozla's back. Doesn't even get a book in. Obviously, does give away a penalty. Um, there wasn't. Liverpool didn't make too much of it, but. A lot of people were asking, "What? Why did he not get sent off?" We we then reach out to the you know the the PGMOL, um, and their explanation it wasn't it wasn't a clear goal scoring opportunity. I mean, I I just cannot get my head around how a guy with a goal just a goalkeeper's a beat. He's already beaten the goalkeeper. He's gone round him. Well, whether he's gone round, but if you're standing in front of the goalkeeper, how is that not a clear goal scoring opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it's an open goal. He's about to shoot. Granted, he hasn't pulled the lead back yet because he's already yeah. had the shirt yanked off his back. But yeah, you think that's going to be a certain goal. He's just going to roll that in. It's all there. The defender's nowhere near close enough to if you get decent connection. That is going in. Uh, it was a, a strange decision, but then it's one where they complicate rules because I'm imagining the first thought would be, oh, double jeopardy, it's in the box. But then when you actually break down the rules, it's, hang on, this isn't a tackle to stop him scoring and he's made to play for the ball. It was a deliberate attempt to just stop him, and that carries the red card offence. But then the rules are so complex at the moment, and when you break them down, you think, oh, if you're going by letter of law, you should have gone. But then if you've done it for whatever against Spurs, it's just another officiating mess, and maybe Liverpool aren't going on about it as much as they would have done a week ago because of how badly they were wronged against Spurs. It's just happened every single week now. There is something you go, you just got that wrong. Like If these are the laws that you have to stick by, and that's why you didn't stop play for Diaz's goal, and why aren't you following them for these rules? It's just a mess at the moment. It needs to go back to the very beginning for Morden to go, this is what we need to do to improve it. This is where we're going wrong. 
but you can't really implement that easily mid-season. Hopefully they have a good international break. Oh, oh sorry. The frustration is that obviously that, that situation yesterday, you can imagine there's probably going to be a very similar situation at some point of the season that results in someone getting sent off and it all goes back to, to consistency, doesn't it? And, you know, yesterday I think VAR had another shocker with that. Um, again, not to be blood Arsenal podcast, but, you know, the, the Matteo Kovacic yeah. one, I mean, that was more of a red card than any of the red cards Liverpool have received this season. You know, it sounds like tribalism or, you know, but, but it's mine, probably. It's, it's mine, that, and that's, that's the thing. And there's no clear justification for it. There's no clear reasoning for it. And that's why, you know, Liverpool were completely justified in making the furore that they did last week because these decisions happen every single week, whether it's a penalty, whether it's an unprecedented goal being disallowed, whether it's a red card. You know, the referees bang on. You know, Mike Dean the other day was, was on Sky saying, you know, ex-pros don't fully know the rules. And it's like, so the referees actually fully know the rules yeah. because if they did then, you know, he's been sent off yesterday. So, yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? I would say that Beth so far has two-footed Alison Becker by saying he's nearly finished and has just two-footed <laughs> all referees. We've got Theo here. That's what he's doing. <laughs> That's what he does. To be fair, I think Liverpool players, fans and manager didn't make a big deal of this one because perhaps it just wouldn't be the best mock PR. What, what, I, what I would say about the situation is, what I would say about the situation is that I've seen... At Brighton, we only saw like one replay of it or something like that. Mm. And at no point during the entire thing did I think send him off. I just thought it's a penalty. No, I'm just I'm not going to explain now. So I just thought it's a penalty. And um, then people were like sharing on social media the the still images <laughs> of like the situation. Well, hang on, it was only last week that was saying don't show still images of like a tackle or something like that. And I know it's a slightly different situation, but in the actual when you were watching the game and you never really thought because I'd have to watch it back again. I never thought, oh, he just pulled him back for a clear goal-scoring opportunity needs to be sent off. It just seemed to be a bit of a mess in the middle. Everyone was like, reacting really quickly, and then he just went and panicked and fouled him. So I didn't think, oh, he's definitely going to score here. I just thought, well, hang on, that's a penalty. And then he played on a couple of seconds, didn't it? And then he was given. And the second thing was, and glad he wasn't sent off. For I actually quite enjoyed watching the game in which it was 11 v 11. But the weird thing is that he didn't get booked. And I think if he'd been booked for it, I don't think there'd be anywhere near the same level of debate over whether or not he should have been sent off because I think they would have gone, well, it's a penalty, it's a yellow card. You could argue whether or not it was a goal-scoring opportunity or not, as we are now. But to not get booked for it... How can yeah, we... Any, any, no, I'm just saying... But then I'm not, no, I'm saying is that at the time when the game was going on, none of us there weren't sending him off. But don't you think that that is because... Because I, I was probably the same in the first instance because I didn't fully... You know, your mind doesn't fully appreciate in that instance that the rules... You know, I, you just think it's a denial of goal-scoring opportunity, so therefore penalty, double jeopardy, as, as Theo said. But once the rules become clear, you think, well, that's isn't that where VAR should do their job and go? The rule is, it didn't. It but then it goes down. Then it goes. I'd like to. I'd like to watch it again, just at full speed, to see what I actually think, rather than slow it on. I know. I know it's not quite the same. Watch it in full speed a few times, and I can't understand why the VAR there when they're happy to go with the Curtis Jones tackle, go and have a look, or go to the referee. Do you not think that was a goal scorer? Go and have a look. They had so many it, things why? to check, though, didn't they? It's like whether Nunes was offside, who had the touch for it to go to Nunes in the first place, well, then, then whether it's a foul, then whether it's professional foul. Um, but they clearly can't do the job. That, that's the main issue. Know, and the other thing is that that, that foul, that foul anywhere else on the pitch is the yellow card because he's got a shirt and pulled it. Yeah. I, also, I, I also think as well, like the frustrating thing is, you know, perhaps in the context of a game, as Doyle said, it's, it's quite nice to watch 11 v 11 and perhaps see the benefit of the doubt given in some instances because otherwise it just completely disrupts the trajectory of the game. 
But it feels like Liverpool have been on the receiving end of sort of yeah. the letter of the law red cards. You know, Virgil van Dijk getting, um, you know, that extra ban for, for dissent. And then you look at, you know, Jordan Pickford absolutely slamming the, the lino and, and then the, the explanation is, you know, some sort of justification for it. Because it wasn't a decision or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but he still abused the lino. Yeah. That's still on TV in front of people. That's still going to, you know, impact things down grassroots, which is apparently the reason that they, you know, clamped down on it this season. So it feels like I agree with Doily. I don't think sort of for, for the good of the game, those should perhaps be given as red cards. But to the letter of the law, it is a red card. So... The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You can't have it both ways, can you? That's to me, you know, like, that, that thing where they, they even themselves out. I don't necessarily think that that is true at all. And I, I think for Liverpool this season, that's why they're so in the lead, because like you say, they're coming against them, the Kovacic one. Again, I cannot understand how they can go with Curtis Jones, come and have a look at this, because... That's quite a bad one. But watch Kovacic back and go, no, it's fine. You know, yeah. move on. It was one of the club's main issues against Spurs. Like, it's not just those big ones, it's the consistency and the small ones as well. The waving the imaginary yellow cards or going yeah. to celebrate with the crowd. Like, Spurs could have easily ended up with nine men in that game if they were doing the same rules they'd done when booking the McAllister or yeah. Jones or Elliott in earlier games against Chelsea, Wolves. So, you've got these rules. You're saying you're being really strict on them for time-wasting, being really strict on them for celebrating with the crowd, for waving cards, but then you're not following them in every single game. Like there was one in, was it the Chelsea-Man City women's game yesterday yeah. where a player gets yeah. sent off for time-wasting for a second book and it's like, it's not really the worst defence there. the fourth, the 35th minute. Yeah, it's like, who's time-wasting How that? How many time-wasting that? Yeah. like, come on, you got an hour to go, let's just yeah. play the clock down. Yeah. The totally ridiculous thing about that was Alex Green, once he was given the book in, hadn't even been given a warning about time-wasting. You know, the referee, if she'd have gone to her earlier in the game and said, right, you're taking too long over these free kicks, and then she continued to take too long. Yeah. Fair enough. But to just out of nowhere, again, in the 37th minute, City were all over Chelsea at this point, they were winning 1-0, and then it just completely disrupts the trajectory of the game. And then City had a second player sent off mm-hmm. it for, for one of the yellow cards was for dissent. So it's, yeah... It was Michael Oliver, the referee. I didn't see the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so do you reckon part? Official. Do you reckon part of that was um, the VAR at the Liverpool game last week went? Oh, Simon Hooper's the ref, so he better come and have a look at this. Because Michael yeah. Oliver's like he's quite clearly the best referee by miles. The best referee doesn't mean he gets everything right. They just went well. He, he called out, so you know Michael Oliver said that, so it must be right. Yeah, but the, the, this is my thing. Is like. I go back to, you You can't expect these guys to get everything right. And everyone says consistency, consistency, but you can never have consistency in refereeing because it's because it's so difficult. Unless but every referee it, is just a clone of themselves. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Let's just but, bring in robot referees, but, which um, we don't want, is the one thing we don't want. But you, yeah. you make that, that situation so much worse when you add video replays and VAR into it because yeah. it... Because everyone watches it and, and does what we've just done and, go, and goes, well, why Why did they make that decision? Why did the VAR get involved last week but not this week? I, I just can't work it out. And that's why I just think VAR is bad for football. They've complicated it. <laughs> VAR was to clear up the clear and obvious errors. But then we were like, if the technology is there, why can't it correct this? Why can't it correct this? Um, we all have different definitions of clear, clear and yeah. obvious, don't we? And they what, clearly have... What's worse, Joe? VAR or the league or the FA Cup? Well, do they have or international they, football? They don't from the, from the inter- inter- uh, international <laughs> football. Uh, <laughs> the campaign to get rid of international football. I mean, who who is excited, Theo? Who is excited about, about this international? It was like, oh yes, great. You know, we can watch England play. I don't know. I'm going to Wales versus Gibraltar. What? Why? Is it Wrexham? 
cheap. Again, why? Who is Nurko and Top Disrupted, but this is great. We we get to watch a bit of top class international. No one's asked. You know, I, I, can I say asked? No, I just said it's fine. But I mean, it, it's just one of those things, and I just I can't stand international football. So international football is the worst. VAR is the second, second worst, and the FA Cup is the third. FA Cup. I don't. This is what I don't dislike the FA Cup. I dislike the talk around the FA Cup, the narrative. So, but, but what about, about the talk then? around VAR? Is that coming into this conversation now as well? I suppose it is. All right, talk about international football. <laughs> God, so I don't want to move on anyway. Brighton, Beth, it's your time to shine. Um, little, little women, everything's going right for them. Two wins out, out of two. Look quite solid yesterday against Aston Villa. Um, lots to be positive about for, for Liverpool women anyway so far this season. Yeah, an awful lot to be positive about. I mean, I think they, they did very well in the summer, sort of quietly brought in some really shrewd signings. And I was, I was hopeful that they would make a positive start to the season. Um, they obviously moved in into Melwood. I think that's been massive. I think in terms of just the culture shift around around the place, it's been huge since they they've done that. Um, but yeah, I think any sort of even the most optimistic Liverpool fan would have looked at their opening couple of fixtures and thought Arsenal away at the Emirates. Uh, you know, Arsenal finished in the top three last season. They'll be challenging for the title. They they hope this season. Um, you know, Aston Villa was sort of the best of the rest outside of the top four. So it's two really really tough games. Um, Liverpool have a couple of injuries. Obviously, had very, very bad luck that the the club record signing that they brought in in the summer, Sophie Roman Hogg, fractured a nose and a face while away on on international duty. Yeah, although inexplicably that international break was before the domestic season had even started, which I think is even worse. But anyway, um, so like after the World Cup. Yes. So why has got another break after a World Cup when that was on the eve of the season anyway? Well, international football is never satisfied with doing <laughs> seasons. Um, but yeah, so they, they lost her, they, they lost the, the captain, Nee Fati, to injury as well. So sort of felt like the stars weren't really aligning for them. But, um, you know, I think I, I didn't actually watch, you know, the entirety of the game last week. I was I was at Everton. But, um, you know, from what I did see, it was a, a very dogged sort of battling performance. And I think last night it was a, a step on from that. It was one of the most complete performances I've seen from them since they... They came up to the WSL, you know, they just defensively, they were absolutely excellent, but also they carried a real attacking threat and that was without a recognised striker on the pitch. And, you know, Matt Beard said after the game last season at times, you know, even when Liverpool were winning games, they were hanging on a little bit. They didn't have those game changes to be able to bring on. And you look at this squad now and you think you've got a, a club record signing who, who you've got yet to add to this team, a couple of other really talented attackers who you've got to add in. So really, really promising. And, you know, I think you know going into the Merseyside derby, the mood is 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 very high in the camp. So yeah, it's exciting. We'll talk about the derby in just a sec. Um, but have they changed your perception of them so far this season? Yeah, admittedly, I'm very pleasantly surprised. You know, I would have you know they finished seventh last season, and Matt Beard has, has been quite open about the fact he wants to better that this season. But it almost feels like in the WSL, sort of the gap between the top four, the two Manchester clubs, Arsenal and Chelsea, is is still so big that. You know, the best the other clubs can hope for really is fifth, and I still think that is potentially where Liverpool will will finish up. I think over the course of the season, the squad depth that Arsenal and Chelsea and United and City possess will will you know ultimately trump what what Liverpool have. But I think they're building something really really special actually, and I think you know with another couple of transfer windows under the belt, I think they could really be sort of pushing to to close that gap on on the top four. 
Liverpool and, and the derby. Obviously, the, the men's team play the derby the week after, but big derby at Anfield. It's going to be um, it's going to be a really good one, isn't it? It is, and it'll be interesting because last season Liverpool, I think it was the second game of last season, Liverpool went into that off the back of the big win over Chelsea, and they got absolutely thumped by Everton, who had lost their first game of the season. You know, this season Liverpool have won. And both of the two games, Everton have lost both. Um, but I still think it will be a pretty tight game. I think Everton have been unlucky at times in, in their games. But um, they're unlucky yesterday, weren't they? Yeah, they as you say, the long rolled out. Yeah. So you know, I think it will be a, will be a, another big test for Liverpool. I think one thing that that will perhaps go in their favour is I think last season they were maybe a bit overawed playing at Anfield and they felt the pressure of playing in front of of the home fans at, at Anfield. But I think you know having won at the Emirates in front of a record crowd of, of over 50,000. I think they've, they've got recent experience under the belt of, of dealing with that occasion and, and that pressure. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for what's going to happen on Sunday. Well, let's finish it off. I'll put you on the spot. A little score prediction for that game. 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Yeah. Well, you're very try, try not to be biased, you know. Obviously, I've got Everton connections also. So, you know. Hopefully, the, the Blues are listening and they're okay. <laughs> right, and then we'll be back on Friday to talk international football and um, a whole lot more besides see you then you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo